Well, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, whatever time of day it is for you listeners. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on the Holistic Leadership Podcast. Um, my name is, is Dr. Travis Hearn. Uh, my co-host, the amazing Jeffrey Roach, and like uh, we just we're grateful to have you here. Uh, this is going to be an amazing conversation. We have Dr. Teresa Larson with us. She told us to say, "Yep, she's a badass." And uh, no, I'm just kidding. I added that myself. She is a badass, but uh, Dr. Teresa Larson, commonly referred to as Dr. T, so we'll be calling her Dr. T throughout, um, is, a, is renowned for her enduring commitment to wellness and strength as both a, the founder of Movement RX and a proud veteran of the United States Marine Corps. Um, having personally navigated the complexities of mental and physical injuries, her experiences have spurred a deep-rooted dedication to helping veteran-owned small businesses face extremely difficult things um, such as client attrition, employee retention, and scalability issues. And I think us veteran business owners have all been through those things. Um, but what they've resulted in is, 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 a, a, is a comprehensive mental and physical well-being program and process for their employees and for themselves. Um, Dr. T was also a, a an amazing. Uh, she's she was a, she was her, she'll tell her her story as a Marine Corps veteran, um, but her and I share that in, in in common. And we also hosted an amazing leadership conference last summer in, here in Colorado Springs. Um, and uh, so it's just it's 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 a pleasure, it's an honor to have Dr. T here with us. T, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you, Dr. T and Jeff. <laughs> I am honored to be here with you. It's it's uh. It's a pleasure. Yeah. So first things first, as a Marine, as a, as, as a fellow Marine, I like to dive into the Marine Corps question first. Um, but also we'll talk, we want, I want to talk about some, some healthcare leadership as a physical, as a doctor of physical therapy, we'll dive into some of that as well. Um, but I want to hear about, I've heard your story, but I think our listeners would love to hear it. Um, your story about your Marine Corps career and how that's shaped your leadership life. Yeah. Well, that's hard to, sum it up in a minute or two, but but I'll do my best because the Marine Corps is the best place to be from um, for me and what I'm doing now. Um, I While I was in, I just served shy of four years. It it was in my blood since a young girl. Um, both my brothers were Marines. My dad was in the Army. <laughs> Won't fault him for that. Um, but, you know, but yeah, it was, it's been in my blood to serve, uh, serve you know, our country uh, outside of, I, I decided to go in after college, but it's always been in my blood to serve people. And that just seemed like the best fit for me post-college. And, you know, while I was doing engineering work as an, as an officer, it wasn't necessarily my passion, but my passion was the people that I worked with, the Marines I worked with. And they became my brothers and sisters. It was like my extended family. You know, I have two older brothers, but all of the, the men and women in my platoon were like family to me, including my gunny and um, staff sergeant and all the way down to private, right? Like they were my family. I was taking, I was, I, I wanted to take care of them. And so that's really what helped me through as a Marine officer and learning how to take care of them. Like you can't just show up and pretend like you know everything, right? You got to listen and be present and learn and give them the best training possible to help them be as successful as possible in their work. Now, that's what the Marine Corps taught me was never give up and discipline, right? The discipline that, you know, showing up each day, 
being there for your means, giving them what they need to train and be as healthy, the healthiest version of themselves was part of my job. Um, and the discipline of self-care, which, you know, there wasn't, regardless of if we felt like it or not, we still had to take care of ourselves to be able to show up and do our job. Now, I will have to, I will say, full disclosure, at that time I was 22, I was really good at telling other people what to do <laughs> and helping others be the best versions of themselves and get the Marines the training they need, and including health training, right? Training them, giving them resources that I was not good about myself. I didn't know how to handle my own self-care. Um, I put myself last. And because to me, it was like all about mission accomplishment and troop welfare. But there was no me in that. It was just we, right, as a team. Yet, I learned the hard way. I fell on my face and really struggled mentally and actually kind of developed what we call an eating disorder during the Marine Corps, which nobody, you don't get in trouble for that. Like, no one's like, oh, man. You look like you haven't eaten or ate too much. Like it's just people just don't understand it to include the people that have it. It's another form of addiction. But it, it, what it, what that taught me is the recovery from that and choosing to recovery, recover and ask for help is that I had to put myself first in order to actually show up as the best version of myself for the Marines. Now, I did the best I could with what I knew. Yet now looking back and all of the therapy and training I've done, it's like, I was maybe functioning at 60 or 70% of my capacity, maybe less at times, but now taking care of myself and putting myself first as a mom and a business owner, like I have a lot at stake still. Maybe I'm not at war, but I still have a lot of responsibilities, but I learned like, okay, that experience in the Marine Corps was a huge pivot point for me. I have to take care of myself to live my best life. And that I am the best example for the people that I, that I work, that work with me that I work with, my family, my husband, my kids. So, yeah, that's a little bit about me in the Marine Corps. But it was, I, I still, it's the best place for me to be from. I'm so grateful, even though it was hard in the end. I didn't get out of the Marine Corps the way I wanted to, but I got out of the Marine Corps the way I needed to, <laughs> to live my best life because I was sick. And because I asked for help, I got the help. And now my life looks completely different. I still get to serve Marines, veterans, people. It just looks different. You know, Dr. T, uh, behind you, I see something that says Teresa Larson, a warrior. Yeah. Yes. And this is my book. That's your book. That's your book. My, and my first book. <laughs> and I want you to read the bottom. There's something about there, the strength. Yes. Yeah, so true strength isn't always what it looks like. And, you know, as I was looking at that as you were talking, uh, because it it's an important lesson that you just shared uh, around leadership. And there are so many times where leaders struggle to be vulnerable. And I, I, I can only imagine in the military, it's even harder uh, to, to really be who you really are, particularly if you're struggling with something or you're facing something because of everything. Uh, what what brought that strength in you to to be able to come forward? Uh, what 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 was that? What was there? Was there something that changed for you to say, "I've got to do this for me"? Yeah. Uh, well, that's a really good question. And yes, there was. So I was deployed to Fallujah, Iraq, and during the daytime, I was running convoys and building vehicle checkpoints and all that stuff. 
getting to do, you know, work with amazing men and women. And at night I was working with our regimental commander because I was I'm six foot one, very, very intimidating, right, Travis? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Super intimidating. Yeah. And I mean, I was probably the most intimidating Marine, female Marine on Camp Fallujah. So I would, whenever Delta Force or the SEALs would capture a female or an insurgency cell, I would be in charge of escorting the woman back to their um, villages. So that was a really interesting job. But needless to say, um, at the same time, the people I were talking to mostly about what was going on was my father. Now, I, I did have a boyfriend at the time, but eh, it really wasn't. <laughs> we, weren't, we weren't really close, unfortunately, with the deployment. But my father, I talked to him, my boyfriend, but my father was the big, the big one that I would talk to on the sat phones. And now my father was a Catholic priest, second vocation Catholic priest. Uh, it's pretty rare. So he went into the seminary when my mother, after my mother passed when I was young. And um, so it's pretty rare. But he, but anyway, lots of prayers when we would talk. And I have lots of tears too. And, and yeah, the, I mean, the only place I could talk to him was there was a place on Camp Fallujah where you could talk. Or we had a sat phone when we were um, on a, a convoy and we were like sleeping out somewhere. But I, I couldn't really share my emotions anywhere. Um, but thankfully in this little phone area, I could, and none of my Marines were around because I was afraid of showing what I considered weakness at the time. Like I didn't, and, um, my father, remember him just praying for me and uh, as a, you know, it's kind of funny now to look back. He's like, well, I'm going to share this with my parish that you need prayers. I'm like, please don't. <laughs> Please don't share what's going on with your parish, but he did anyway. Um, but yeah, I remember cried on the phone with him and him writing me these wonderful letters. And now my dad, like he'd already lost his wife and, and I know he was scared, right? Like it wasn't like I was sitting behind a desk and I really loved what I was doing. I loved the Marines. I loved being one of the first women in combat essentially allowed to be in combat. I mean, there were many women in combat before me, but like we weren't acknowledged to be in combat until I think it was 2016. I'm pretty sure it was when women were allowed to be in combat arms units. Anyway, point is, is I had to fight my way to be with my Marines on convoys and do this work with the regimental commander. And um, my dad wrote me this letter and he's like, look, you matter. Like your Marine, you're the Marine Corps will go on. Like the irony is you're at war, but you're really, you're physically at war, but internally you're at war with yourself. Like you, you need to get help. Like you're on a roller coaster and your Marines need a hundred percent of you. You need a hundred percent of you. You matter to me. And before I could acknowledge that I matter to myself, I was like, I don't want to hurt my dad. And you know what? I also don't want to hurt any of my Marines. Like he kind of like put that message in my mind. Like I could hurt people if I'm not present on a convoy, if I'm not fully there, like things could go wrong. Right. And I couldn't live with myself if I'm my mind, my body as elsewhere. Like I'm just not physically present. And so um, I did end up having to do one more mission. And then I went and asked for help with my, uh, our battalion, my, my company commander. And it was my dad who really kind of 
I did it for him initially. And then as I journeyed home and got care, it was like, no, this is for me. What do I want? What does Teresa need? Um, Because really, even my dad and brothers and nobody understood what was going on. It was like, when you have a hard time going out to buffets, like, what's the deal? Like, what's the big problem? Um, But people don't realize like food's like your cocaine, right? That's your alcohol, but you don't get in trouble for that. And I'm not, you know, I don't want to sugarcoat it. It's not easy. There's many people with eating disorders and it's just kind of pushed aside as like this white, rich female problem. Well, that, that wasn't, I might be white, but I didn't grow up wealthy. And I, I, it actually is a problem of, you know, people who are very driven can develop eating disorders. Um, anybody can develop one, but it actually is pretty common among high achievers. And so it was my dad initially. Um, but you know what? But what got me was my faith as well. I remember praying in my, my barracks room in Fallujah, like, I can do this. Like, I matter. My dad, my dad, you know, loves me. Like, I can get through this. It's going to be very hard because I have to face the Marine Corps. I have to face my commander. I have to face everyone and tell them the truth. And, but it was my faith, my dad. T, I have to say, cause I, I, mean, I know you, yeah, you're one of the, like that your story is, is un, it's uncommon, especially in the Marine Corps first for, for Marines and especially Marine Corps leaders like yourself to be vulnerable and take that I'm getting goosebumps and chills right now. I mean, just to be vulnerable and do what you did is 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 one of the bravest things a leader can do. Um, and I just I I just I commend you for it. And it's 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 something that I hope people, if someone out there is is struggling with that, if they're in some, even if you're just in a position of leadership or a position of power, to be able to, if you're struggling, to be able to 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 talk to somebody, to be vulnerable, and to be able to to get that get that ball rolling on healing, I think is the most, probably the most important thing that you will do as a leader and as a human being. So, um, thank you T for, for that. And it's just like, it's, it's, it's super inspiring to me. Um, and when you talk and what you, when, when, when I've, I've heard your, your keynotes and, and heard, I've seen your trainings, you really focus on the whole leader. And I think when you talk, when you told your story, that was you developing the whole, whole leader. So, and as a doctor of physical therapy, you focus on physical health, mental health, like the whole leader. So what does that look like? And what is physical? I'm going to shift just for a second to physical health, just tapping into your, your professional, your professional part of your brain. Physical health as a leader often gets pushed to the side and mental health and other things, but our, I think our health in general, but speaking on physical health, what is it that leaders need to know about our physical health that makes us better leaders? Yeah, well, the, you know, the interesting thing is as a PT, I'll just share this. I ran a PT practice and then just, but I realized there's, there's still a gap. Like where can I influence a culture? One-on-one care wasn't for me. Corporate wellness programs wasn't for me, but leadership wellness was because as I learned the hard way and I'm a Marine, so once a Marine, always Marine, I have to you know, learn by the school of hard knocks, but also I got to be in it and, and doing it. Like I can't just stand up there and pretend I got it all, you know, I, with the Marines, like I had to be in shape, right. And had to walk my talk to the best I could with leaders. It's the same thing. Like you are the best example for your people. And so I started to focus on well-being for leaders and leadership and development training around 
well-being because how they show up, their physical, their physical health impacts their emotional health. Emotional health impacts their physical. It's kind of, you know, two-way street, really. There's a mind-body connection. Whether people understand that or not, there's, there's certain nerves and ways of being, right? Our mental health causes tension in our body. If we have a really tough workout and our nervous system sacks, well, it's going to affect us mentally. If we don't sleep well, it's going to affect us mentally. Um, and so with the physical piece, right, that when we take care of ourselves and give our joints and soft tissue what we call lubrication, motion is lotion, the joints, we feel better, right? We're not going to have as much pain in our body. We'll have more focus. Our parts of our brain that can sometimes go to sleep when we're so sedentary, we'll wake up because of movement, right? And it's and, and every part of us will be, all nine systems of our body will be healthier because we move. Now, there's planned and unplanned movement. This is what I like people to understand. Planned movement is what the American Heart Association and CDC recommend, um, you know, get 120 minutes of moderate exercise a week. Okay, great. You want to do that. You want to build to that, whatever that looks like. It could be Zumba. It could be speed walking. I don't care. Just whatever makes you happy, right? Do what makes you happy. Uh, but the other is unplanned movement. And unplanned movement is around like how often you get up, right? And move around during the day. Are you getting eight to 12,000 steps in a day, right? And can you track that? Like, it's not just about that one hour of workout you do a day. It's the movement, constant movement you get during your day. And guess what? You're going to feel better. If you feel better, you're going to have more focus and you're going to be happier at work. Now, the other side of the coin is it's going to impact you. Like I don't work out anymore for just my physical. I work out for my mental health. I know. And I, I, and I used to abuse exercise. Okay. I'll be full disclosure. I used to abuse it. Like it was all about being the best competing and being the best and looking the best and yada yada okay well now it's like no I just I just feel better and and I'm and I'm more present to my children I'm more present to my work and that doesn't mean I'm out running marathons or doing crossfit competitions I'm just moving my body often and and when I don't do it like let's say I'm sick like I actually have getting over laryngitis if you can't tell it sound a little off but yeah, if I, if I've been sick or, you know, traveling a lot, like it's harder to get in the same kind of movement, but I still challenge myself to walk and move often because I feel better. And so the thing is though, here's just a little research that, that will help people listening. 20 minutes of movement, just walking before like a big meeting or a test or some kind of experience where you have to make a decision can help open up different parts of your brain and kind of wake you up almost like when you do a warm up for a workout, you're waking up your brain. 20 minutes of movement can help you increase your amount of creativity as well. to what you bring to that meeting. So what do you think that can help in a culture that needs innovation growth, right? People. So I challenge organizations I work with to do walking meetings to move, you know, to get outside at lunchtime and get your, put your phone away and connect with each other. Um, but there's a huge impact in your brain. Oftentimes in my talks, I give with all these movement practices, I show the impact in the brain when you walk, when you sit still and meditate, right? When's a great time when you want your brain to be shut off? Well, or bed, 
But when you first wake up, is you know, it's like a snow globe. Your brain can be all over the place in the morning, but let your brain settle with some quiet time. And then, right, you jump into your day and your brain gets all warmed up and whatnot, especially if you move. But there are times to be sit, sit and be quiet, and there are times to move. And your body isn't meant to sit, sit and be sedentary all day. So move often and move every 25 minutes, even if it's standing up, sitting down, squeezing your butt, whatever, you know. Um, your butt, not somebody else's butt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Unless you're a PT and they <laughs> tell you it's okay, you can touch them. Okay. Um, so yeah, so hopefully that was helpful. So, you know, it's uh, it's really an interesting point, right, around uh, what you called leadership wellness. And I'm, you know, I'm curious in the work that you do, being a practitioner uh, yourself, but then also speaking on this, traveling the country on this, can you walk into an organization within moments and look at leaders in that organization and see if they are well? Yes, I can. And yeah, and when you oh, yeah. and when you unpack that and have discussions with folks around that, because uh, you you referred to this earlier corporate wellness was not for you. Uh, when you look at this issue and how rampant it is right now across pretty much every organization, uh, how do you help leaders who ultimately have a decision to have corporate wellness be a priority or not do it right? So this is a great, this is a really good point because I was just in DC talking to an organization and it is the same thing. So I was there was a whole wellness week going on and there was different speakers that came in that were doing talks for the employees because they're all about employee wellness, right? It's a big thing. Like a buzzword, employee wellness, well-being, like EAP programs, like EAP programs, people don't use them, um, which is really the frustrating part. You know, I mean, because they're typically cookie cutter. There's a cookie cutter approach and nobody needs more virtual programs. Um, so but yeah, the, the, the leaders of this group I just spoke to, they didn't feel they needed this. They didn't want to participate. <laughs> now, this is typical. But the leader, the CEO, I would say 50-50, right? Some organizations, the, the CEO, obviously, that brings us in gets it. Some of the other people don't. So this group was so great about offering well-being to their employees, but then they're like, oh, we don't need it. But I could tell right away they do need it. And their CEO forced them to be in my talk. And there was 20 of them. And it was great. Now, what helps me is that I'm vulnerable with them. I don't sit up there and be like, you guys are assholes for not doing this. You know, I'm like, look. And I give them all the research around how they show up and how they impact their people, whether they know it or not. That's part of the blind spots I teach about is that 70% of their people are impacted, their mental health is impacted by how their leader shows up. Now, these people, they they started to get it over the course of, I spent three hours with this group, which was great. Um, but I, you know, I pointed, everything pointed back to how you show up, how you show up, your life. This is about you. Yes, I want you to live the best life, but how you show up mentally and physically impacts the people around you. You don't get a pass, a hall pass for this. You actually are the best examples for your family and for your people. And I always share with them, like, look, I'm, I'm on this journey with you. 
It's not like I've arrived. Wherever you're at with this, you, know, you are okay. But you can't just expect yourself to be healthy every day or expect someone else to figure it out for you. You get a hall pass. No. If you want change in your organization, you're the one that has to start that. Well, Dr. T, I want to obviously thank you. And I also want to apologize uh, to you as I do, okay. as I do have to, to jump. But, but on, on that note, I just want to uh, obviously thank both of both you and Travis for your, for your service. And Travis must be, must be uh, pushing something here because we have two Marine podcast guests in a row. So obviously, uh-huh. um, you know, really, really important to acknowledge and, and thank, thank you both for your service. But I also want to just highlight something uh, too that you said there. Um, and that that's also the awareness. And, uh, you know, I think about for, for people who uh, may not necessarily be in the same position that we are in or others, uh, they may be in organizations with leaders who don't have ele- any element of self-awareness and, and may be in a, an abusive organizational culture um, and, and such. But I want to encourage people uh, to, to reach out to, to Dr. T, because uh, if you're a leader and you haven't invested uh, in, in wellness, uh, not not corporate. Let's just talk about wellness, mind, body, spirit uh, for leaders. Uh, Dr. T is is obviously a phenomenal resource. And so thank you for, for all that you do. And Travis, thank you for all that you do as well. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thank you, Appreciate, you. Appreciate you. Take care. Thank you. And I'm going to stand up for my next meeting because you inspired me. So yes, thank you all very much. stand up for yourself. Appreciate stand- it. Yes. <laughs> I like that. That needs to be a shirt with standing desks, the stand up for yes, yourself. We're gonna trademark. For That's Dr. T trademark. You can't steal it. So T, the question I have for you, uh, it's not really a question. I want you to tell the people about Movement RX. I want you to tell people about what you do, um, especially like maybe in the adaptive community and some of the work that you've done there and because it's it's super amazing i was just at the at the, the the army navy game and got to meet some of the best adaptive athletes that i've ever like i, I this guy did more i mean they did more than i could ever do and it was just so inspiring and moving and it was just so if you want to just talk a little bit about about that and what you do and what you've done in that space that'd be great sure so just to kind of clarify to you our company movement rx is a health and well-being company. We have an arm of the business that is in well-being and leadership and government contracting too. And then the other arm is in um, adaptive training. And so, yeah, that's a, that's a division that uh, I have a great team for. And, oh man, just, I've met some of the cream of the crop people, especially veterans who have overcome some major injuries and put them in a wheelchair or a missing limb like our good friend John Register or, you know, traumatic brain injury and have to really figure it out in this new normal. And so our job as a team has been to go in and help train coaches as well as the adaptive athletes themselves, how to perform better in this new normal, as well as prevent injury. Because you know what, you can prevent injury and improve performance at the same time. That concept spans all of the work we do. Like it's not one silo and then the other. Like when you work on your self-care, healthcare, you actually work to prevent injury and improve your performance as a human being. Now the adaptive community, there's just a little bit more involved in terms of, there's a lot more involved in terms of like, okay, if you're in a wheelchair, how do you adapt squatting, hinging, pushing, pulling, carrying, all the primal movements we do. Or if you have a missing limb above the knee or below the knee or traumatic brain injury where you feel 
dizzy all the time when you close your eyes or you just kind of get these chronic headaches. Like what do you, traumatic brain injuries, it affects everyone's a little bit different, right? So how do you help an individual post rehab return to performance? And that's a gap that's missing in the fitness space. And so again, identifying the gap and there are great organizations helping do this now, but where we found our best fit was actually in colleges where young professionals, coaches, healthcare providers are just starting out where adaptive training can be part of their curriculum and they can learn. So when they're out, it's not like this specialty course they get. It's like they already have the information. You never know. One in four of us have a disability of some sort, right? So if one in four of us come into a gym, like most likely there's going to be something going on with someone in your, in your clinic outside of just the norm, like physical injuries. And also these adaptive athletes get, you know, orthopedic injuries too. So we felt that our best interest and where the gap is that we felt the problem we solved was in where coaches and health providers are trained. So we get them early. And so when they do speak and work with adaptive athletes, they're not telling them, I don't know what to do with you after that, or go check out Wounded Warrior Project or, but for the civilians, like, where do they go? Like, there's a, actually a solution they can provide them in a training program they can provide them. Yeah, that's, I mean, some of the work that you've done, I've seen, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's life-changing for, for a lot of these guys. Cause I mean, some of the people we were talking to this weekend, one of the guys, <clears throat> I'll call him out, his name is Kevin. He had on the back of his wheelchair, he was, uh, at the, all he had, he was pelt from the pelvis up. That's, that's what he, he, he was a adaptive athlete, but the dude was a stud. You know, on the back of his wheelchair, he said, I hope you had a sticker that said, I hope you step on a Lego. So some of the best like senses of humor. <laughs> yes. Oh my people. gosh. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, like one of my good friends who lost his leg, he's called, he has the nub chronicles, you know, the nub, because his nub, his missing leg, he calls the nub. Um, there, there's so many, there, you know, I always let the adaptive community lead with their humor. Um, and I, I always ask them, what do you want me to call your limb? If, you know, is there a name? And, and when you, the thing is what I found is when you kind of just, treat them like normal human beings because they're us like just because they have a missing limb they're one of they're human beings right so you just say hey what do you call what, what do you call your nub or what, what do you call your missing limb is there a name for it or you know once you get to know them like you can even ask them tell me about your injury they'd be happy to tell you but firstly with hey what's your name how you doing like oh, yeah, i love your wheelchair or, dude your wheels are awesome or great leg you know just be a human being yeah, normalizing it. Um, so T, we got we're we're almost out of time, but I do have one question or not a question. I want to I want you to end the the session with where can people find you? One, so I'm let me let me rewind a second. You got a book, Dr. T. If you're if you if she talks about these things all the time and in such an amazing way. I think at our conference she had 40 people rolling around on lacrosse balls on the floor and it was like everybody it was it was an interactive experience unlike any other. So look her up, Booker. Um, where can people find and also buy her book, Warrior? It's it's amazing. So where can people find you, T? So the best social media platform is LinkedIn, which is just find me, Dr. Teresa Larson on LinkedIn. I put lots of great content on there every day during the work week. I do a mobility video that you can follow. Uh, the other way is just go to movement-arcs.com. You can see uh, a little bit about my speaking. You can see our government contracting work, our adaptive work, it's kind of got 
a melting pot of everything. So those are two great ways to get in touch with me. Awesome. Well, I just, again, I'm grateful for your time, grateful for your service, grateful for your, just your vulnerability here and always. Um, it's you. never, it's never a, a, a shallow conversation with Dr. Teresa Larson. That is for sure. It is always deep. Oh. It is always impactful and it is, it's just always awesome yeah, in my opinion. So thank you for, for, for bringing that, for bringing that to the, to the podcast. And, uh, for those out there, uh, listening, um, pass this information on, subscribe to the holistic leadership podcast, uh, where Jeffrey and I talk about important things. We, we get vulnerable a little bit, uh, Tears may be shed sometimes, even from <laughs> Marines. I'm not going to say, the, oh. I'm not going to point fingers at the whole room, but mostly this guy. Um, but thank you all <laughs> for listening. Um, Dr. T, again, thank you. And we will see you all next time. Um, keep an eye out for us. So see you next time. Thank you, Dr. T. Dr. T. Dr. T. Dr. T.